Chapter thirty two of the Life and Adventures of Michael Armstrong. This is a LibriVox recording. Chapter thirty two. Mr. Augustus Dowling gives his sister Martha notice to quit the premises, which occasions Michael to appear in a new character. A long journey taken by novices, but they do not lose their way and arrive at the right place at last. The circumstances which immediately followed are not of sufficient consequence to detain us long our old acquaintance mr augustus now major dowling of the regiment quartered at the distance of a day's journey was sent for to get through the melancholy business going on in his paternal mansion as well as he could to give orders respecting the funeral and to make himself as thoroughly acquainted with the real state of his family's affairs as circumstances would permit michael meanwhile had taken leave of the weeping martha without having given her the slightest hint as to the means by which sir matthew's body had been released had he not known that the mr augustus whose kicks and pinches he so well remembered was expected to arrive for the protection of his sister and of whatever property they might still call their own he would hardly have made up his mind to leave her however conscious he might have been of the doubtful propriety of offering such protection as he could give but it was evident that the poor girl thought he had better go though it was equally so that she parted from him with the greatest reluctance you shall hear from me she said my good michael and if it should never be my good fortune to see you more remember me with the same forgiving kindness that you have shown through all the dreadful scenes you have witnessed here you have a good and generous heart michael and though i know you suffered much by being present at them you will always like to remember how greatly your presence helped to support your early friend in her great affliction but it was not destined that these sad scenes should be the last in which michael and his early friend were to be thrown together in little more than a week after the death of sir matthew and while michael was still anxiously waiting at fairly for such tidings from her as might put him at liberty to set off without further delay for nice a packet reached him from dowling lodge containing two letters one was from martha and contained these words dear michael my brother tells me that all of us who are old enough must seek our own living for there is nothing left to support us myself especially he says must to use his own words look about me directly as my behaviour to my family has never been such as to justify my looking to any of them for assistance this amounts to my being actually turned out of doors an exigency which at this moment leaves me no other resource than what is afforded by the enclosed letter read it michael and let me know if you are willing to give me your assistance and protection in reaching the amiable writer of it i could never have accepted even for a day the hospitality she so generously offers could i not prove to her by bringing you with me that the sad subject which interrupted our friendship some seven or eight years ago could never again be a source of pain to either of us my dear father's last act towards me which was as i think i told you the placing a few hundred pounds in my hands for the express purpose of my leaving the country will enable me to undertake this long journey without being a burden upon you the green pocket-book michael so well known to mr parsons and lady clarissa as the repository of my father's ready money and so disgracefully struggled for during his last moments will prove of no value to its possessors beyond its morocco cover and its silken lining for the notes which he took from it to give me were the last he ever placed in it my messenger has orders to wait for your reply if it will suit you immediately to accompany me to nice my first stage shall be to the little inn at fairly which you mentioned to me i fear you will find me a weak and troublesome traveller but i think i have been improving in health ever since i learnt that i had not your death to answer for your grateful friend martha dowling the other letter was for miss brotherton and ran thus 
need i tell you my dearest martha with what feelings i receive the news of your present painful position your father's marriage with lady clarissa was for your sake a source of great sorrow to me for i was certain that your domestic happiness would be destroyed by it and this most unexpected event of your father's bankruptcy makes me feel quite sure that you have no longer a comfortable home in england come then to me my dear martha the painful estrangement which grew between us just when i was beginning to know and value your excellent qualities has long been a source of very painful regret to me because i am aware that i judged you unfairly and pronounced that judgment harshly be generous then and prove that you can forgive this by immediately giving me the pleasure of receiving you as my guest when we are together we will consult about what will be best for the future but at any rate i have the satisfaction of knowing that the climate to which i am inviting you is likely to be beneficial to your health during the approaching winter come to me then dear friend without delay on the other side you will find the route sketch that i recommend for your journey my quarters are roomy enough to accommodate either man or maid-servant or both if it will suit you to be so accompanied ever my dear martha affectionately yours mary brotherton the consequence of this packet was another metamorphosis on the part of michael she shall not think said he addressing mr bell that my respect for her is lessened because her fortune has fallen i will wait upon her with faithful duty and most grateful affection but she was born in a palace and i in a cabin and i will not especially just now obtrude myself upon her as a companion as her servant i hope i may be useful to her and it is in that capacity that i shall attend her there was so much good feeling shown in this project that mr bell could not oppose it whatever he might think of its necessity and michael therefore gave the astonished martha the meeting at the little inn she had named in the character of a very neat and respectable-looking man-servant her faithful betty parker who had consented to be the companion of her journey was in the room with her when michael made his appearance at the door to receive her orders the cautious manner in which he made her comprehend his purpose and the nature of the office he had assumed suggested to her the propriety of not discussing it in the presence of the well-contented betty who was exceedingly comforted by discovering that the young man whom her mistress had informed her would travel with them was to do so as her fellow-servant as she by no means felt herself capable of becoming servant of all work to a young lady travelling through foreign countries of which she had never even heard the names but having contrived to dismiss her female attendant on an errand martha began to remonstrate with her faithful squire upon the great mistake he had made in fancying that she had ever thought of travelling with him in any other capacity than that of a friend all she said however was in vain michael though in a manner the most humbly respectful persisted in his purpose and the almost destitute girl was therefore constrained to set off upon her travels in a style which she felt to be very unfitting to her situation her conscience however could not reproach her for this for most assuredly she could not help it many were the letters and various the mementos of affection entrusted by mr and mrs bell to the care of michael for their dearly beloved mary brotherton nor was there an individual of whose welfare he thought it would please her to hear whom he did not visit to receive their loving blessings for the benefactress who notwithstanding her wide wanderings had never failed to remember the wants of all who had faithfully served her or in any way become dependent on her bounty these duties completed and a farewell of most grateful affection uttered to the amiable clergyman and his excellent wife michael set off upon his long journey with feelings of hope joy confidence fear diffidence and trembling affection all so strongly mixed together in his bosom that had his life depended on it he could not himself have told which it was that most frequently preponderated 
yet altogether his state of mind was very delightful the novelty and excitement of journeying so pregnant of enjoyment to most of us was most especially captivating to him whose education had been little more than the unchecked development of imagination and of that keen observation of all surrounding objects which his shepherd life had taught him the first painful interruption to the state of felicity arose from his finding himself under the necessity of confessing to martha that he had no more money wherewith to pay their way aware that in the performance of his self-appointed office michael would have to pay everything and keep a regular account of it and aware also that the money he had received from her would enable him to do this without giving him the additional trouble of daily settlements with her she had merely said a minute or two before they set off you will be kind enough to be my banker michael during the journey and we will settle accounts at the end of it for just one week from the day of their leaving fairly he was able to do this but then the little remnant of his treasure failed him and great as was his repugnance to the measure he was compelled by dire necessity to confess that nearly the whole of her generous gift had gone to to satisfy the rapacity of mr parsons it would be hardly possible for one human being to be more grateful to another than poor martha felt to her young attendant after this disclosure she remembered the agony which he had made to cease she remembered too her state of utter incapacity even to comprehend and still less to avert the horrors that surrounded her and spite of all michael's respectful efforts to induce her to perform her allotted character properly she never from the hour of this disclosure treated him otherwise than as a dear and a valued friend as their journey approached its termination however to which period michael had looked with peculiar anxiety as that most important to the dignity of martha there was one argument and one only by which he was able to coax her into letting him make his first appearance before miss brotherton in the character of her servant and this was his very natural wish to ascertain whether edward and fanny would recognize him it was therefore still in the dress and with the demeanour of a servant that the poor factory boy now become a tall and very handsome young man armed himself with courage to enter the presence of his brother and once more to draw near to the dear and gentle little being whom he had so fondly loved during the miserable period they had passed together at the deep valley it had been previously agreed between himself and martha that when she sent for him it should be for the purpose of giving him some long and particular instructions respecting the luggage he was to get from the custom-house in order to give him time to look and be looked at before the moment of discovery should arrive the young man trembled like an aspen leaf as he laid his hand upon the lock of the door the opening of which would bring him face to face with his brother and perchance he might have indulged in a longer interval of preparation had not the voice of martha distinctly pronounced the words come in further delay was out of the question he pushed forward the door and entered the first figure that his eyes fell upon was that of a young lady small and of very delicate proportions whose head which was hanging over some employment as the door opened was raised as he entered displaying to him a very lovely face and a pair of eyes whose dark brilliance almost made the beholder wink could that be fanny fletcher no yet that it should be miss brotherton seemed more impossible still like all young people who have been separated from someone considerably older than themselves ever since the period when this difference made one of them appear fully grown while the other was still a child michael fancied that in miss brotherton he should see an elderly person no more like a pretty girl than he was himself but mary brotherton had not fully completed her twenty-ninth year and happening moreover to be very peculiarly young-looking both in face and figure it was not very wonderful that he should doubt of her identity 
but it was in truth mary brotherton and no other whose bright and laughing loveliness made him turn his admiring eyes away in search of something dearer though not more beautiful at the end of the sofa-table at which miss brotherton sat with martha dowling beside her was a young female figure which presented only a profile to his gaze but that was enough the delicate oval face the sweet regular small features the glossy light brown hair parted madonna-like upon the ivory brow and the long eyelash that seemed to rest upon her cheek as she read all proclaimed that he looked upon the same gentle lovely creature whose soft voice had whispered patience when his spirit but for her had died within him at the sight of this sweet vision that in shadowy and uncertain outline had so often visited his reveries michael's manhood almost forsook him and large tears gathered in his eyes which he was fain to hide by turning round again and performing some blundering operation with the lock of the door martha played her part admirably appearing to be the most exceedingly particular young lady about boxes bags and desks that ever travelled remember i beg she said that you see yourself to the opening of every package don't let them touch a single article that you do not watch the whole time and be sure that everything is locked again and on no account forget the covers or mismatch them and remember particularly etc etc and so she ran on at the imminent risk of being classed by her clever friend mary as the veriest fidget that ever arrived to bore a peaceful household and all in order to give her poor companion time to recover himself and see distinctly what was before him but michael could not recover himself nor could he even find courage to look about him it was a large saloon that miss brotherton occupied and the agitated young man rather felt that there was a gentleman occupied with books and papers at a distant table than saw him yet to see him he was determined if his life were to be the forfeit and turning his head with an eye as troubled as that of hamlet when tremblingly following his father's spirit he stood at last with clasped hands protruded head and features almost convulsed with emotion when he had an uninterrupted view of his brother's calm and beautiful countenance edward was very busily employed and unconsciously submitted himself to this examination without raising his eyes or moving in any way but miss brotherton's ear caught something like a sob from the silent object of all martha's eloquence and suddenly looking up perceived michael in the attitude described but stealthily and perhaps unknowingly approaching edward's table while the tears he could no longer check rolled down his manly cheek there are some individuals of the human family gifted with such quickness of perception and rapidity of inference that their faculties act with the certainty of instinct and the brilliancy of inspiration miss brotherton was one of those and after looking for a minute or two at michael quite as earnestly as michael looked at edward she sprung from the sofa pushed the table that stood before it with such violence from her as nearly to overset it and rushing forward laid her hand upon his arm exclaiming for mercy's sake tell me young man who you are and where you come from on hearing these words in a voice unusually loud and agitated edward rose hastily from his seat and approached miss brotherton as to protect her from some threatened danger but turning towards him she held up her hand as if to prevent his hostile approach and said stay edward stay look at him good heaven look at him dearest edward and tell me who he is like thus addressed edward did look at his brother and for a moment with a countenance that seemed to say miss brotherton had lost her wits but suddenly michael smiled at him as he caught his puzzled eye and then he started and almost gasped for breath 
and his distracted eyes fixed themselves on the agitated face before him as if they would read in it the history of years edward teddy cried michael opening his arms and making a step in advance in the next instant the brothers were locked in each other's arms and miss brotherton drew back and gazed upon them from a distance as if the very ground that sustained hearts under the influence of such feelings was holy while fanny fletcher rose and sat down and rose again checking the feeling that would have sent her to stretch forth a hand of welcome to her old friend by telling herself that no hand no voice but edward's could be cared for then and perhaps she was right for it is certain that for several minutes neither edward nor michael were fully conscious where they were nor who they might be that were near them once and again each beating heart was strained against the brother heart and then their right hands clasped and the left placed each on the other's shoulder Quote, they fell to such perusal of the face that now after eight cruel years of absence was once more beaming with love and sympathy before their eyes that it must have been a very heartless and soulless being who should have come between them though such a history as michael's might well have occupied more than one long summer's day in the telling to ears so greedy of every circumstance connected with it as were those of edward yet it is wonderful how very short a time sufficed to point out the keystone of the arch upon which the whole wonderful fabric hung and then it was that fanny fletcher's voice was heard exclaiming in a burst of uncontrollable emotion then it was i that caused it all oh miss brotherton it was i who kept him in that horrid place for years had i not told you he was dead it would have been he who would have been the happy object of your bounty instead of me oh how can he ever forgive me this was uttered with such agitated rapidity that though there was more than one present who would have been ready enough to contradict the self-accusing statement she gave them no time for it but it sufficed to draw michael from the side of his brother and to place him at hers and though this terrible thought drew a shower of tears from fanny's eyes notwithstanding the exceeding happiness which was at the very same moment throbbing at her heart it may be that there could not have been found a more effectual mode of at once bringing back the long-parted friends to the same tone of familiar intercourse in which they had parted as this sincere self-recrimination on one part and the warm pleading against its injustice on the other for some minutes this lasted without being interrupted by a word from any one for both mary and edward found sufficient occupation in looking at them both and then exchanging expressive glances of thanksgiving and happiness with each other but at length upon fanny's saying with a fresh burst of tears oh michael michael your eloquence is all in vain you will never never teach me to forget that i have been enjoying the blessed destiny intended for you and that by means of words uttered by myself upon her saying this the happy mary brotherton pushed a low tabouret before the reunited friends and seating herself upon it took fanny's hand in hers and said if you would not cry about it my fanny i should think it was a mighty pretty exhibition of true feeling and false argument that we were witnessing but if you really intend to be unhappy we shall all range ourselves immediately on michael's side and laugh you to scorn for your sophistry and the deplorable confusion you are making between cause and effect i should like to know little lady how much it would have profited our michael had you refused to answer when i inquired at the deep valley factory if you knew aught about him had you while firmly believing he was dead declined to state your belief lest you might be mistaken what would it have availed him darling could he have crept down before us from his sick-bed to settle the question no dear casuist you know better your looks are much more wise than your words fanny 
for even now though you pretend to shake your head your truth-telling eyes confess that you have not yet another syllable to say but is it not singular said martha who had been contemplating the scene with unspeakable delight is it not singular that michael should twice have been the victim of words uttered by such very friendly lips singular dear martha replied mary is not every event connected with a hero of romance of necessity and by immutable prescription singular and whom did fate and fortune ever fix upon more unmistakably to fill that distinguished position in society than michael armstrong why are we all here together wholly and solely because michael armstrong saved lady clarissa shrimpton from the terrors inspired by a cow is it not so dear friends can any of you deny that all the exceeding happiness that blesses us at this moment has arisen from that most marvellously silly adventure and shall we any of us quarrel at the steps though some of them it must be confessed were rough enough which have led from that nonsensical beginning to an end that has made us all so very happy yes michael armstrong is a hero he is our hero he is the crowning blessing that is come to make us all thank heaven for having brought us every one from greater and less degrees of misery to very perfect happiness and shall we not welcome him with smiles instead of tears fanny nothing could have been more admirably suited to the effect which the happy heiress meant to produce than these words how after this could michael shrink as he had expected to do from the humiliating comparison between edward and fanny with himself or how could fanny persist in weeping when her own heart as well as those of all around her was so cheeringly called upon to rejoice nothing of the sort was any longer thought of by either without very well knowing how it came about michael of all the multitude of contending feelings which had been lately so cruelly assailing him being as they were of that most harassing race begotten between fear and hope was now conscious of only hope and that one was happiness unmixed his frank and generous nature could no longer harbour any doubts as to the place he held in the affections of those whom he had lately thought of as almost too high and too happy to remember him he was with them he was of them if a thought of the future glanced athwart the delicious present it came accompanied by a buoyant consciousness that there was that within him which would enable him to redeem lost time and that whatever those who loved wished him to be that he should have power to become nor was an answering confidence wanting in those who wearied not of gazing at his bright expressive features and his noble form fanny thought that he was exactly everything she would have dreamed he must be had she ventured to dream that he existed at all mary thought that she read capacity which promised power to become all that edward could wish him to be and she was not disposed to wish for more and edward himself thought and felt that had he power to choose a brother from among all the nations of the earth and the noblest of them michael would have been the one he would have selected and where is my dear good tremlett said miss brotherton in the midst of all this rare felicity she must not be left out she has shared our mourning for your loss dear michael and shame it were she should not share our joy at finding you shall i go and call her hither cried fanny rising no that you shall not fanny replied miss brotherton i will not trust you it was i who dragged the dear good soul from post to pillar in order to find you michael it was i who never let her know rest night or day because you were not and who but i shall bring her the glad tidings of your restoration but truly delighted as was mary brotherton at the idea of the pleasure which she well knew this unlooked-for arrival would cause her old friend she would not let her taste it without the addition of a little mystification 
and accordingly she led her into the room which contained the happy party with no other preparation than telling her that there was a young englishman in the saloon to whom she must come and be introduced because he was a countryman to this the tractable old lady agreed without testifying any very lively emotion but when she had got into the midst of the group and witnessed the general exaltation of spirits which seemed to possess them all after looking and listening for a little while she could not help whispering to fanny do you know my dear who that young man is i never saw miss brotherton no nor mr armstrong either seem to be so extraordinarily intimate with any one before just at first sight in reply to this fanny only hid her face and laughed for she dared not trust her voice to give the information required how very odd murmured the old lady drawing her knitting from her bag it is very odd mrs tremlett very odd indeed said mary there is no denying it but the fact is that mr armstrong has taken such an extraordinary fancy to this young man that i really think i shall be obliged to ask him to live with us there will be plenty of room you know in my rhenish castle the old lady said not a word in reply but she looked puzzled and vexed and shook her head as much as to say that it was not like her young mistress to talk such nonsense as that so in her own defence mary was obliged to explain the mystery and as happy an old woman was nurse tremlett as she looked and listened as ever tasted joy from the contemplation of it in others End of chapter thirty two